Hey, my name is Akash Thakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're going to interview everyone from plugin makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between, and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the worlds of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the worlds of music and sound, and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. Our guest today is Unlike Pluto, also known as Armand Arabsahi. Unlike Pluto is a music producer, singer, and songwriter who has amassed hundreds of millions of plays of his music on Spotify, has had his music featured on commercials for Dell, and is well known for releasing at least three songs a month, sometimes more, over the course of years without stopping or letting up. In this interview, we go deep into what it's like to be a full-time creative, the highs and lows of releasing a monstrous hit that gets hundreds of millions of plays, how to keep producing and creating even when you don't feel like it, and the importance of experimentation in our creative process. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Unlike Pluto. So one of my first kind of questions is we have a similar background in that no one in my family was also musical, just like yours. Really? Yeah. Like not at all, at all, at all. And no one even played an instrument. No, I was the only one. I'm still to this day, the only one. And I know you have a similar sort of thing. And also, you know, your dad has like a PhD and your mom's a nurse and all that sort of stuff. So it's this, it's this funny thing where in this sort of like first generation immigrant upbringing you can be a doctor an engineer or a failure are kind of your three choices (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's it's, i'm so curious to start how did you kind of get out of that like what kind of drew you away from doing that because i know you went to school for dentistry for a bit and then kind of pulled yourself away and started doing music full-time if i'm being totally honest i feel like my older sister kind of paved the way because she was the star child she was the genius that got into emory after high school, I had to go to Georgia State for a year and, you know, get my bearings. And I didn't do too well in high school, but she was the star child. She got into med school. That kind of allowed me to be the fuck up. Like my whole childhood, you know, ripped up skate shoes, ripped skinny jeans in high school. So it wasn't really like hard for me to go into something creative. But when I was 18, like I felt pressured to do school. So I just focused on school, but I always did music. And my grades did suffer because of the music. I mean, I was at Emory and my intelligence is not Emory, dude. Like straight up, I belonged like Georgia State. I did. I'm not saying one school is better than the other. I actually thought Georgia State was a little harder, but there were some classes at Emory where I was like, dude, I don't, I don't belong here. This is, this is not for me. Kids are geniuses there. And yeah, I feel like I always did music and my grades suffered, but to get out of it, to answer your question, because I have ADD and I apologize if I ever go, you know, out of bounds. To truly answer your question, man, I feel like I kind of just did it. I always, I did, lived in both worlds, you know, like I lived in the academic world. I finished my shit, got my bachelor's, took my DATs, did everything. And then I allowed me to get an internship out here in LA. And then I just, It was EDM, you know, in 2013, everything was about, you know, being a DJ, just everything was that, you know, 
And so it wasn't like I just did a bunch of remixes. That's when SoundCloud allowed you to do remixes. And I lived in both worlds and I tried really hard to make my musical world become something. And then I signed a contract. And once I got like my first like thousand dollars, that's when my dad was like, oh, okay, you can actually do this. My mom was always like, oh man, you should go to school. But yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. But yeah, so I'm curious then in that meantime, because I'm sure with every creative person, there are those dips where you're practicing, you're making stuff and it's garbage and you hate it. It's maybe it's not fun. Like, how did you deal with those moments? And how often did those come up when you're getting into it? All the time. I mean, I was so blissfully ignorant to what was good and bad. You know, like, I don't know what it was. I was ignorant, man. I just was making it and I had this delusion. I was like, ah, if you keep working on it, you'll get better. And it's not always true with life. Sometimes we're just not good at things. And that's the truth of life, you know? But I just kept doing it because I enjoyed it. And it's the only thing that actually made sense to me. Because when I would study long hours for like a microbiology exam, I would fail it. And I'm like, what the fuck did I do wrong? Like I studied for days, man. So much coffee, so many nights at that library, listening to like trance music. Arjuna Beats mixes. I remember those. Dude, those were the days, man. Those are super good. <laughs> those are good mixes, dude. Yeah, I just feel like uh, music was the only thing that made sense. And I had no fucking clue if what I was making was bad or good. I still, to some degree, have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. And that's kind of great because you just kind of do what you want to do. And then, you know, kind of roll with the punches. If a song doesn't do well, fuck it. Move on to the next one. I like that. That's such a good mindset. And the idea of like saying, ah, fuck it, and moving on to the next one is probably why you have such a crazy output, because now it's like three songs a month, four songs a month, something like that at this point. And that's huge. Like even for a very accomplished artist, that's crazy high. So how did you kind of build that habit in? Was it was it instant? Did you already have that right away because you're making music so much? Or did you have to build up to that degree of output? It's a long answer, but go. I mean, you know, as I did the whole EDM thing, I got signed by the big agents, you know, I did, you know, when that happens, they sign a lot of young acts. I mean, I don't know if it's still happening because I am ignorant to that scene. But in 2016, 2015, the big agents would just sign a bunch of acts and put them on hard ticket shows or just put them on, you know, supporting the big acts that they do book like DJ Snake and all those guys. I did that. And I never fit in, dude. Like all of my music wouldn't really work live. So I would have to play like trap and shit. And I enjoyed it. I had good moments. And I love the scene. And I love like the movement of the music itself. I do. Like I still am inspired by it. But I did that. And then I released Everything Black. And to my feeling, that was the best I could do for electronic music pop. And my hard ticket tour after that did not perform well. So that's the best I could do. I don't know whose fault it was and it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's my fault, you know, and tickets didn't sell. So after that, I could tell my agents were like slowly rolling me back. And I was like, you know what? This is survival mode. There was a moment at Lollapalooza where my agent like walks past me and like doesn't say anything. And I'm like, okay, I went, I got a deep dish pizza. I was in Chicago. I forgot from which place, Lumonati's, I don't know. Went back to the hotel room and I just planned. And then I listened to like System of a Down and ACDC, all the music I used to listen to. Then I came back, signed with new management, then sang on my own stuff. 
a year passes, nothing really happens. And I had so many songs that weren't good enough to put on Spotify. So I made a series called Pluto Tapes and it was just like songs that were rejected by management, which they weren't really, but we just made that like a thing. It was just songs that weren't good enough to release after everything black, you know? And we put them on YouTube and Spotify as Pluto Tapes and it started becoming a thing. And I started noticing a response online and like the music was actually connecting with people and people were making their own meanings with lyrics and all this stuff, but the music was essentially connecting. So then I felt inspired to do it. If I didn't get results, I don't know if I would have been inspired. If I'm being really honest with you, we're all human here. Okay. I need results. We all fucking need results. I can't just sit here in a dark room, make like a track a week and not even know if it's good or bad, but from anyone. So after those results, I just kept doing it. And then, you know, you don't know what you're capable of until you push yourself to that limit. And I just kept doing it, kept releasing, kept pushing, kept writing. There are moments where it was absolute garbage. Yes, there are some songs where I'm like, holy shit, that should be redone. That should be deleted, actually. But yeah, that's how it was. That's, that's the story of how there was inspirations that led to that moment. And a lot of it was emotional. And it was like, it's like Karen Stick model. It's like, we're all kind of wired that way. It's like, if you get a good result, you know, like, like one teacher when I was younger, it was like, Armand, you're really smart. I know I'm not fucking smart, but like that gave me inspiration to like do better in school. I don't know why. Just that one little thing. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you never know where those kind of little bits of inspiration will come from. I remember a professor in college offhandedly didn't wasn't even talking to me, said anyone can be taught to be a good composer just to somebody else. And that has still stuck like eight years later, still thinking about it. And I'm curious in the like line of teaching and all that sort of stuff. You're mostly self-taught, right? Yeah, I mean, I did piano lessons you know, when I was younger. And I remember like <laughs> that old, old lady was just so mad at me all the time. Cause I just would only practice like really like minor chords. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was like fifth grade. She hated me. I did take guitar lessons, but after two years of learning, it was somewhere in Georgia. I forgot. It was in Roswell, Georgia. And the guy was like, Hey man, you seem to have like a style and like, it's not really the correct way to play the guitar, but I'm just going to teach you how to like move in a scale and find your way. But I'm not going to teach you like how to actually play guitar. Cause I feel like you should just do your thing. And I was like, okay, that's a good teacher. He's <laughs> a golden guy right there. You know, <laughs> that's yeah, that's some serious awareness. And nowadays, like what's that practice look like or how did it look like throughout your career? Because if it is kind of self-motivated and self-taught, it's rare that we make ourselves like a curriculum or something like that. Was it just through writing music? Were you watching YouTube videos? What was that learning process like? And what is it like now? I mean, when I was younger, I was just wanted to be in a famous like metal band. You know, I was obsessed with System of Down. Oh my God, I was obsessed, man. Because they were the only like brown dudes in a band. <laughs> but not only were they brown, it's just, I know it's weird to say this, but like I liked music for music, okay? But it, I felt personally connected because they were the only Armenians close to being Persian, you know? Like it was just like, I really connected with that band and I wanted to be them so bad. Under Oath was another big, like, huge inspiration for me. I just wanted to be one of those bands. And that's what inspired me when I was younger. But as I got older, it was like, I felt like I stopped learning guitar when I was like 19. I feel like I stopped getting better. 
Like I just stopped, man. Cause I didn't care. I just wanted to write songs. Fucking there's a tech one remix of a bring me the horizon song. That was my first dubstep experience, like modern dubstep. And I just wanted to do that. So that's what inspired me to like, did I answer your question? I don't even know what your question was. Totally. Yes. Yes. Like I'm wondering what that practice is like for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. My practice when I was younger was like doing scales and stuff and learning the songs. But as I got older, I just wrote music and I just wrote riffs that I couldn't play initially. Like this is past 19. I would write riffs that I wasn't technically able to play at first, but then I would just keep practicing those riffs that I would write and then get, that's how I practice guitar as I get older. Yeah. And how about like when it comes to music production? Cause there's so many skills in that. And you'd also do singing and songwriting too. All of those different skills have to come together to make one song. So was it you just saying like, okay, I'm going to try and sing this. Like maybe you didn't like your voice at the time, but you still tried anyway. How did that work? So the production, I started learning on my own when I was in high school. I was in pop punk bands. Dude, I was in a band called You're Just Jealous. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> it really is like, Love it. wow. I hope no one searches that on MySpace because I think it's still there. <laughs> but I, I started learning production on my own when I was in high school and I noted what the fuck I was doing. I would just put compressors. I would duplicate the actual track of acoustic. Like, oh, that's duplicating. <laughs> I'm like, But why does that sound weird? I had no clue. I was really disciplined as, you know, I would say freshman year of college. I would just learn. I would go on YouTube, search random things, find articles. I remember this one phone interview where he's like, yeah, I mix music at this volume on the phone. I was like, oh, do you now? And I remember this one written interview, the guy that mixed or he tracked the Black Keys Brothers album, whatever it was, he was like, I put Decapitator on everything. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, I'm going to go fucking do that. And all of these things just... As the years went on, man, I just kept doing it. I just never fucking stopped. No matter the genre of music, man, like whatever the fuck it was, dude. I remember I sampled like an African choir on YouTube and I just made a song from it. I just made so much shit. No idea what the fuck I was doing, but I kept learning. Took notes on like sound design on Massive when Massive was like the talk of the industry. And as the years go on, like you learn these skills and then you learn other skills like songwriting. Songwriting is endless, dude. There's so many fucking ways to write a song. There's so many ways. And as the years go on, you're consistent. You keep learning it. Bam. All of them combine. And then you just make music. I like that. And how about when it comes to collaborators? Because, you know, you're not doing 100% of every track on your own, right? A lot of them are, but, you know, you work with different vocalists or maybe instrumentalists from time to time. How do those connections come about, especially when you're first starting and maybe don't know anybody in the scene? Like, do you reach for people that you see online? It's like, hey, do you want to sing on my thing? Or is it some other process that you use? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, just starting out, I was lucky. My sister was friends with a studio out here called Serenity West. And I had the lucky opportunity to like sign a production deal type thing, you know, like your first deal in LA type thing. It's not the best deal, but it's a deal. I was in that studio all the time and I would just be thrown singers. Like there would be artists, interns, like so many people. The guy from Glee, the guy that produced the vocals for Glee, I was like with him every day. He was the coolest guy. Like so many like random rappers coming in Studio B and shit. But that's how I met. Joanna, who sings on Wymona, um, that's how I met Mike Taylor. It was just you build connections and you'll meet singers through that. And as you advance in your own career and your own, you know, you show your own production online. At the time, it was SoundCloud. 
then you can like, it's kind of like a business card. You're like, yo man, this is what I did on SoundCloud. Like collab. That's how I got connections in LA was just being at the studio. And I met Florence Welch one time. I couldn't speak. I didn't meet. I mean, like she was in like the lounge of the studio. So meeting is like, but she's one of my favorite singers ever. That's awesome. I love that. And you know, being around opportunities means a lot, right? You're, you're in the right place, right time. That's a huge thing. And you moved out to LA, I assume for that reason. And if you were to move out to LA again, let's, let's say you do to do it now, you can't do SoundCloud remixes anymore. Everyone's all litigious now and much more protective about that sort of stuff. You know, people aren't putting up just vocal stems or anything like that. What would you do if you were to come out now with like after the golden era of that 2011 to 2014? Yeah, it was way easier because all you have to do is a remix, you know, honestly, now I would just release a ton of original music. And what I have noticed on a consistent level is Gen Z's are bringing back singer songwriter. They're bringing back real pick up your damn guitar, get on a piano and just write fucking music. That's what I would do. If I was like 21, if I was a Gen Z and I moved out here, I would just make so many original songs like fucking day after day. Have like a plethora of just shitty song ideas. And you know there's a gold one in there. I would just make so much original music. I would buy every lyric book on the fucking planet. I would study the Beatles. I would do everything. I would just write original music. That's what I would do now. Because I don't think remixes will get you far I actually don't know, but I don't know. I feel like a remix blowing up on YouTube or even TikTok. I just, I don't know if that translates to fans as much as it used to. I don't know. But now I would just fucking write a shit ton of original music. So much. And when I got in a session, finally, like, yo, you got any songs? I'd be like, I'm like, yo, man, check it out. And all of them are bad, but like, fuck it, you know? <laughs> right. It shows that you're doing the thing. And I think in any creative sphere, as long as you're showing that you're doing the thing, you are at the top 1%, even if it's terrible, even if it's garbage. Like, it's so rare to meet somebody who is doing the work, who is putting in the practice, who's showing it off in some way, shape, or form. That's really, really rare. And I'm curious, like, nowadays, in terms of doing your thing, you have, you know, a Discord, which unfortunately got hacked recently. You have royalty-free music. You have a big community. You have merch, all that sort of stuff. When it comes to all that stuff, including like Spotify streams and all that, you don't have to say numbers or anything. Like, how does the income kind of balance out for a musician like you? Is it like mostly streams and a few merch sales? Is it something else? Like, how does that all fit together? You know, it's funny. I actually had this conversation I write with two of my childhood best friends, uh, Chris and Baffon, and we always get in like these, not debates, but like just very long conversations about industry stuff like this. I would say for most independent musicians like me and, you know, Netflix, Eight Graves, like there's a lot of us, man. I don't, I don't know how many, but I'm assuming there's a lot. It's master income. Like it's the master side income from Spotify, Apple Music, and I'm so grateful that that is a thing because I had no idea that was a thing. Even when I was doing Pluto tapes, I had no fucking clue. I, I didn't even know how to go an artist for Spotify. I had no idea, which was great because the plays were low in the beginning. Very fucking low. So low that if I saw those plays, I would have stopped. I was only looking at YouTube, man, because I'm fucked up. Every artist is the same way, man. We care. Okay. Anyone that says we don't care about plays is like, come on, you care a little bit. Okay. Yeah, the income is master, but 
there are ways to, you know, merge, but you have to take merge. Like if you want to make merge like an actual thing, you have to consistently release and drop new merch, which is a job in its own, man. It's a creative field in its own. People make a living off making t-shirt companies, you know? So there are many ways merch, you know, like I'm making a manga, which is a lot of fucking work. Holy shit. I was like, hey, I always want to make a comic. And I started reading mangas and I was like, this is way cooler than comics. I just enjoy mangas more. I don't know why. And I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to make this. No fucking clue how much work went into it. Holy damn, dude. But I'm doing that like other creative outlets you can do because don't limit your artistry to just music. You can do other things. You know, it's taste. That's your talent. It's the taste you build over your the ear that you build. That's taste. You know, what kit goes where? Fucking taste, man. I, I want you to dive into that manga. Like, what is it about? Are you doing it? Are you working with the team? Tell me everything about this. So, I mean, I've always wanted to make a comic. And what's funny is I always wanted to make it. And then I saw Umbrella Academy came out. And I was like, Gerard fucking way, dude. That legend made a comic with an illustrator. And I was like, I really wanted to do that. So I decided on manga because I thought mangoes were really cool. And yeah, I think right now it's very slow. I built the story first, which took a whole month of like, my sister's a screenwriter, script writer. I don't know the actual name for the job. She will kill me when she sees this. But she's like, she writes around LA. She's a big writer. And I kept taking the story for her, wrote the backstory which took so much fucking work, dude. Uh, my brain, like, I would write for an hour. I'd be like, dude, fuck music right now. I can't even do anything. <laughs> I'm going to do coffee and sit down. Yeah, I wrote the backstory and I work with this illustrator, Protsky. He does all of my, like, Saturn artworks and some of, like, the Pluto ones too. But he's an illustrator and he is incredible. And I've known him since 2014, like, for so long. And we're writing the story and we started with the characters I'm going to be in it, but I'm not like a main main, like I'm a main character, but it's, we made it around uh, Sloan, this like badass character. But essentially we got the characters done, which took two months, not even done actually. And I use this thing called Clip Studio Paint. It's kind of like Photoshop, but like you, it's designed for writing comic, like making comics and mangas. And I'm doing that and I'm using 3D characters, like 3D models. And I'm actually making the manga with the dialogue. And then he's going to go in because it has all the perspective and everything. And then he's going to go in and like illustrate it. It takes so fucking long, dude. It takes so fucking long. I had no idea. It's how I feel about metal songs, dude. I fucking hate making metal songs so much, but I love the end of it. Like right before you master it, it's amazing. But during it, no. For me, it's not fun. It's torture. Like, it's cool writing it, but like fucking the guitar, oh, the vocals, dude, it's like so much work. It's so taxing on me, my soul. But yeah, the manga, yeah, it's that, that is how we're doing it. And it's, I think I'm 20 pages in and it's going to be like a hundred pages, dude. <laughs> I thought it'd be 40 pages. I thought it'd be 40 pages. Not even fucking like in the beginning, dude. I'm not even like done with the intro and it's 20 pages, Ugh. but it's awesome. It's really fun. There's a fun theme I'm noticing about your your career and just like life in general is like you're really good at pushing through those really uncomfortable 
bad moments of the creation process because every creative thing is hell to some degree at some point during it it's rarely like amazing the whole way through and when it does happen that's great but that doesn't happen every day and when those moments come up with like those kind of dips and those like dragging moments are there ever moments where you say ah fuck it and move on to something else or do you always push through and finish stuff how do you kind of manage finishing and unfinishing and how do you know when it's ready to be released and it's done too for music specifically yeah for music because for manga i have no fucking clue <laughs> yeah yeah let's say music yes <laughs> yeah for for music i don't know i feel like i've made so many songs at this point i know exactly what i want what me Fafa and Chris, we all know like what we want from a song, what we know sounds good. And I feel like I'll know by day two. Sometimes I'll make a demo and I'll be like, ah, this is fucking stupid. But I'll just keep it in the, like the Dropbox folder. And a year later, I'll be like, oh, okay, there's something here. Because, you know, styles change. I made a lot of rock acoustic songs back in 2019. And at the time, that wasn't really in. But now it's coming back a little bit, I've noticed. The Gen Zs are bringing it back, dude. Olivia Rodrigo and Willow are fucking dope, dude. They are bringing back singer-songwriter. And I'm, I'm here for it, dude. I am. Billy, too. Yeah, I would say I usually know by day one or two of writing it in like the Scratch demo. But sometimes, you know, later on, it, it comes out as a song you don't expect. Yeah, that's the creative process, right? Like, it's just like... You don't know 100% of the time where it's going to go. But and sometimes you'll revisit, you know, I'll revisit things like four years later and be like, oh, huh, I should. What if I poke this again? And sometimes something good comes out. So when it comes to your overall broad kind of musical career, artistic career, what do you feel is one of the best decisions you've made to make that go forward, to make it real? <sighs> There's been many mistakes. There's been many wrong decisions. There's been more wrong decisions, if anything. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like doing EDM, it definitely started my career. Definitely. Because I remember the guy, Leo, at the studio that I was working at was like, yo, man, Diplo had revolution stems on his SoundCloud or something so long ago. And I remember he's like, you should take a stab at it. And I did because I was like, okay, fuck it. I am happy I had an open mind to making different styles of music and you know, open to other people's ideas. And I'm also happy I did the touring because I didn't want to be a DJ. I didn't want to. I was also really bad at it. So I figured that out. Dude, I have weird elbows and shit. I'm like, I'll be like DJing and I'll hit the, in every fucking venue, there's like some CDJs are like, hi, you're like this. I'm like, dude, my elbows, man. Look at the, look at the little thing right there. I can hit shit. And yeah, I would say those and obviously the decision to, do Pluto tapes. That was the best thing ever because now I'm just self-sufficient. Now I'm just, I'm making a crazy ass fucking metal song right now. And I would never make that if I had labels next to me. Fucking never. Dude, this is so overtly metal. Like there is no holding. Oh, let me just hold this back. So it's palatable. Fucking no. It's just straight up metal. I would never make that. Never. Even with earlier metal songs I did, I would like tone it back so i'd be like oh it needs to like sound like a drop now i don't give a shit and i'm like fuck it dude just make a metal song put some fucking drums on it like make it sound cool for you and put it out yeah 
I love this. I love this. And now, like, let's say you, you put out this metal music, you put out like songs that maybe are different than what you've put out before, those sorts of things. How do you promote that stuff? I assume it's more than just, I'm going to put this on Spotify and never talk about it. Like, how do you make sure people know about it and listen to it? Because it's more than just putting on the internet. It's different for every artist because it really depends on your output. There are certain songs I've released. I essentially waterfall release the entire album. Like I trickle release it and then I just repackage it. And like if I just never released a song ever and then I put out this metal song, people are like, what the fuck are you doing? Right? Like that, is, that doesn't make sense. Like you go from everything black to that. Like what, what are you doing? That, that makes no sense. Even I would be like, that's really weird. You should let people know when you know what you're doing. You know, like in movies, you have transitions, right? Like you need to transition into it. It needs to make sense. I feel like because I release so much music, that is what markets it. If I didn't do that, I would find other things like TikTok or I have no idea, but paying for a lot of advertisements, right? Like I don't even know if those work. From my experience, they don't. But yeah, I would say for me, it's making sure your fan base, your current fan base is happy and making sure that you're always engaging them and making sure that you treat them like their family, right? Always giving them your best because that promotes you. I love that. It's a very human-minded approach because humans are the people who are going to listen to this as opposed to just seeing it as robots and numbers, right? It's funny. I, I love the way you're kind of looking at things because I think our generation and younger has started to understand like, yes, it's about this human connection we have to the tools to make that happen, like Instagram, Discord, TikTok, whatever those things are. Are your favorites in that kind of zone? Like, is it Discord and Instagram for you? Is that the, are those the things that you like? I like Discord the most, personally. I think YouTube is great. It was great. I still love it for the people that are there. And I love engaging. I love the, com it's just so much positivity. But Discord is my favorite because there is no algorithm. You control your server. There is no fucking bullshit of, oh, I have to pay this much to access my followers. Like, I like Discord the most because there is no bullshit. I mean, there obviously there's bullshit with everything in life. There's bullshit with life itself, you know? But with Discord, I always found it to be, I don't know, like you build your own environment, whereas Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, you're at the mercy of their algorithm. And I hate that. I absolutely hate it. I'll use them because I feel like I have to. And I'm insecure if I don't, just being honest. But hey, man, like Discord, that's where it's at. Yeah, it seems to be the thing that all musicians are doing or artists of any sort of self-branded personality seems to be doing it. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Now, kind of stepping back to a previous question I asked you earlier, you know, what is one of the best decisions you ever made? Is there something that you wish you could redo in your career? I can't really say some of them because sure. I can't throw on people under the bus. I left this studio. I mean, this is deep. I haven't told anyone this actually. I was working at that studio. I became like so close with everyone there. And I felt like I was plateauing. I felt like, uh, you know, after that remix I had on SoundCloud, I mean, fucking everyone had that at some point. But at that time, after I had it, I felt like I was just doing sessions, making songs and not releasing anything, not doing anything. And as soon as I had this like Hulu sync or whatever it was, like I had the opportunity to go to get the big agents in EDM, but it meant I had to leave the studio. And in leaving the studio, I essentially cut ties with everyone there. I felt forced into it. I was younger. 
And people I was working with was like, yo, no, you come with us, you're, you're with us. And I was like, okay. I wish I was more strong because they added so much, not only value, like the music, the inspiration, a lot of it came from that being at that studio. And I, if I were to go back to 2015, I would have changed that. I'm like, no, whatever percentages people get, I don't care. I just want this to be a team. That's it. I would go back and do that. Also, if I were to move to LA now, I would have sang. I would not have just focused on remixes. And that was the thing to do in 2013. It was, okay. I'm not going to blame myself, but I would have sang. I would have made songs. Even if they were absolute trash, I would have sang more. And that's it. Interesting. Why, why is that? Why, do you, why were you saying you would sing more? I mean, because I really started singing in 2017. That's when I started singing. And I don't, do not consider myself a singer by any fucking means. Because I'm friends with Joanna and Mike, who are fucking amazing singers. So I do not consider myself, or even a guitarist for that matter. I'm not a fucking guitarist. I just play guitar. I'm not a guitarist, man. Not a pianist. Okay? Not a pianist. Whatever the fucking pronunciation is. I'm not any of those things. I just play the instruments. Like, okay, okay, enough to I can make it sound good on the track. But what was the question? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so why why would you have sung more back then? Oh, I just feel like I would I was so much better at songwriting because a lot of songwriting, there are some people that learn it that are just naturally, they just fucking get it, dude. Okay. I've met those people. I have. They learn it in a very short period of time. I am not one of those people. It takes me forever to learn things. I'm not a fast learner, but when I learn something, I never forget it. And I wish I would have started songwriting in 2013 because even if it was fucking, it would have been so bad, so bad. It would have been like weird dubstep tracks in my voice or something. But like, hey man, I would have been writing. Would have been writing hooks, verses, pre-choruses. Like I wish I did that. Wish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's super interesting. Like uh, it's a, it's an interesting kind of uh, hindsight view of like the industry at the time, what you would have done, the skills you could have gained, but it all seemed to have worked out. So awesome <laughs> it, seems, it seems to be going fine regardless which is great i think so yeah right <laughs> at least from my perspective it seems to be going great <laughs> so uh, a few questions before we you know wrap up and some uh, broader ones so one question i have that i ask a lot of people is what's something that you think about all the time but never talk about it can be music related or it could be anything else oh that is a deep question I think about the future of streaming a lot and I don't talk about it. And I also think about the corruption that I will not speak of, but there is a lot of corruption going on. And that I know specific, oh man, I could say so many things, but yeah, I think about that a lot. I think about like the future of, you know, how we are going to make money, like, you know, releasing original songs or I would love to get into what you're into, which I would love to talk about that later, by the way, super totally. interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, dude, Outer Wilds, is it Outer Wilds? Outer Worlds? Outer Wilds. That's the game where you're like an alien and you're like trying to find the mystery of the... Exactly. Yeah, of the it's universe. such yeah. a good game, dude. <laughs> such a good game. Dude, I have so many memories in 2020 of that game and Breath of the Wild. Like, that is my 2020. That's what got me through COVID. Like, that quarantine wow. shit, those two games, man. Which, so props. That's an amazing feat. <laughs> Thank you. Did you do the first game? No, no. I'm actually only on the sequel. Oh, so sick. So yeah, sick. I'm, it's, the sequel is really cool. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Don't tell me anything. I, you know, and, I won't tell you anything. NDAs. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> what was the question? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so inter- we were talking about streaming and where it's going in the future and what you're thinking about in that realm. I mean, yeah, I talk about it all the time with my friends, but not with industry people because it is a little hush-hush. <laughs> I don't know, because I think a lot of people are like, they get stuck in their bubbles. They're like, oh, this is never going to change. It's always going to be like this. But it's not. It's not. I honestly don't fucking know where streaming is going to be in 10 years. I don't know how I'm going to make money in 10 years. I have no idea. And it's scary. But it's also, I don't know. I trust Spotify. I do. I trust in that company. And I do think that they're going to be doing a lot of other things besides music. I think, you know, if you look at car thing, look at Steam even making the Steam Deck. Like going into hardware, I think it's the best thing you could do because there's so much more. I don't know. There's overhead. Is that the right word? There's just so much more yeah. money to be made. Like I think the profits from the first time AirPods came out, like surpassed the entire music industry as a whole. I was like, dude, fucking AirPods, man. Fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case which is sad. So I'm curious where streaming is going to be in like 10 years or even five years. Like Spotify is really, I mean, do you hear them paying massive contracts to like musicians? No, but you hear podcasters getting massive payouts. I don't know where it's going to be, but I do know that I'm here for it and I'm excited. And I'm Disney plus even like, like Jungle Cruise, the budget was like almost 200 million. How do they quantify making that back? Like subscriptions? Like it's so unclear. It used to be ticket sales, album sales. Now it's like, how the fuck do you quantify if you made a profit on the budget that you spent on that piece of art or content, right? I just want to know where it's going to be. Because I don't know. But I, you know, if Spotify made headphones, I would buy it 100%. If they made like a headphone experience, like I would totally buy it. 3D audio, I would buy it. But yeah, I don't know. Those are in the corruption stuff, dude. There's so many things that I could say, but I can't because you can't bite the hand that feeds you. You know, there's a lot of corruption happening, but there's always fucking corruption, man. There's always someone that has power that will abuse it always and music. Yeah, but you have a very healthy mindset about it. Of A lot of people in, in this space will say like, okay, if this is gone in 10 years, I'm screwed. Whereas you're just like, ah, I'll just switch with the times. I'll be where it needs to be, those sorts of things. I think that's the best way to think about it. Because yeah, in 10 years, who knows? Who knows if Spotify will even exist? Something could happen. We have no idea what that future kind of holds. And speaking of future, one kind of second to last question is, what are you focused on learning right now? It can be completely unrelated to music or it can be music related. I want to learn how to diversify my income and not be so reliant on music and diversify my income in other creative outlets. And it's a really hard thing to learn because it took me 10 years to do music, right? So I'm just trying to learn that. Like, I don't know how to do it. So I'm just trying to figure it out. I don't have a business mind at all. Like 0%. I got lucky with streaming. I think a lot of people did. I would say I want to learn that. I also really want to learn how to write lyrics better in the next five years. Writing good lyrics, man, is I think the strongest. That and melodies, obviously. But lyrics, dude, is so difficult. It's can ruin a creative process if you're not good at them. You just need to be good with words. I, I want to get better at that so bad. And manga. I want to do so many like mangas, dude. I want to just do so many things. I want to write scripts as well. Like, fuck it. I want to write a book. Fuck it. 
I love it. Yeah, no, I, I remember, uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but I was listening to an interview with an actress and she called most artists art sharks, meaning you have to just keep moving and making stuff or you die. And you're very much in that in that realm as well. You're an art shark just making stuff constantly moving forward. And I love, I, it's so inspiring to see. It's one of my favorite traits of creative people in general. Now, last question before we go into, you know, how people can find you and all that good stuff is when you first started, and you can define first started anywhere. It could be in college. It could be in high school. It could be when you first approached a piano when you were little versus now. How did you define success? So when you were little, how did you define it? When you're first starting, how do you define it? And how do you define it now? Wow. That is a great question. Holy shit, man. That's how we do. <laughs> That's, yeah, that is a great final question. Um, I define success and I think you would relate to me in this. And I obviously don't know your family, but we are brown and we're first generation. So I feel like you would. My dad had a job for 30 plus years. Never complained. Never fucking complained at all, dude. He came home. He was happy. You know, he cared about my sister and I. If we're okay. My Yorkshire Terrier, Joey. Right? Like, he just cared. He never complained. And my dad is genius, dude. I didn't get his jeans. My sister did, just so you know, okay? Didn't get those fucking jeans. Mad about it. It's okay, though. Still a little bitter. Not bitter. Yeah, I would say my dad could have been millionaire, multimillionaire. My dad has the brain to do that. He does. He did. But he defined his success through his love for my sister and I to make sure we were okay. So I don't know. That was a really humbling thing to see growing up. I saw my mom was a nurse practitioner school whilst being a real estate agent, whilst working at a department store, whilst taking care of my sister and I, right? Flashcards everywhere. And I don't know, I feel like there was a more efficient way to do that, mom, but you know, okay. And I don't know, just seeing how hard she worked to get to where she's at and, you know, them escaping the whole revolution in Iran, you know, it's, it was fucked up. And a lot of Iranians have stories of that. It's getting here was a feat. It was massive deal. And my definition of success is based off their definition of success in that am I doing what I love every day and making a living and putting food on my table and taking care of my family and friends? That is it. I don't care about having hit songs. I did feel entitled to big plays on songs after everything black because that kind of plays, it like screws with your mind. But then Pluto Tapes quickly humbled me back down to getting a thousand plays a week, right? Or even less. So I don't know. I just feel like uh, if you're doing what you love, man, and you're putting food on the table, who fucking cares? Like you, that, that is successful, right? You know that story of the Metallica guy? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah from the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Like yeah. that Beatles guy who kicked out the drummer. Was it the drummer? The drummer. Yeah, Pete Best. It's like for being too good looking or something. Yeah, <laughs> he's too good was. looking and too clean and got kicked out. <laughs> So like, you know, he's always going to look at himself and be like, fuck, I could have been fucking Ringo Starr, right? But I don't know. I just feel like everyone's definition of success should be based off being happy, right? Not being rich or successful, not having a lot of musical gear. Like, you should be happy. Like, if you're happy, making a living, that's it. You're, you're healthy. You don't have acid fucking reflux like I do. <laughs> fuck that shit. That is my definition of success. And it's like... Sometimes it changes because you're like, fuck, you get jealous of like other artists. It's natural. But then bring yourself down back to earth because we're on a rock floating in space. Nothing fucking matters. We are specks 
We are a particle of like dust inside dust. We're nothing to this fucking galaxy, man. Who gives a shit? Don't feel entitled to anything. Just do what you love and shut the fuck up and be happy. That's it. (laughs) I love that. What a great way to end that. So last question before we wrap up on that beautiful point is where can people find you? How can they look you up? All that good stuff. Just look up on like Pluto. (laughs) I'm the brown guy making alternative (laughs) music. That's me. (laughs) Making music that makes you go, what the fuck? (laughs) And that's how they can join your Discord and stuff too through your website, all that? Yeah, yeah, just just type in unlike Pluto on Google and, you know, go wherever it takes you. You know, if you like the music, continue listening. If you don't, you know, there's a lot of other artists out there that are amazing. You should follow them too. follow this guy. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time. I greatly appreciate it. I think there are some golden nugs in here. I would love to ask you questions personally. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. And considering I work in the world of video game, music, and sound, and so many people are always asking me how they break into that field, I have a newsletter set up for you. So if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash sound pod. Sound B-I-Z pod. And that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free ebooks and even sound effects that'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game music and sound. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. And if you're looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to, this podcast is actually a part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. So if you want to check those out, hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.